Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of This Korean Life, coming to you from Ulsan City. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Namaskar, Ulsan's number one choice for Indian food. They offer a variety of mouth-watering curries, chicken, naan, lassies, and more. Stop in and see Nirmal uh, and his friendly staff at either of their locations in Samsandong or Songnamdong to enjoy some fabulous Indian food. Both restaurants are open seven days a week for lunch and dinner from 11 a.m. until 10 p.m. This podcast is also brought to you by Sticky Fingers. Uh, they're open nightly from 7 p.m. Shill and his staff are ready to serve you hot food and cold drinks. Sticky's is, well, is a well-known place to enjoy live music, hang out with friends, and play games. Wednesday's wing night and Friday offers 1 plus 1 well cocktails until 11 p.m. It is located in the heart of the action downtown next to Thursday party just behind Lotte Department Store. Uh, today's guest is Rogelio Garcia. He is from uh, California. He was a teacher here in Ulsan for, uh, I think, over five years. He lived here with his wife and his daughter. Uh, Roy was very active in the community. He played hockey. Uh, he was um, a very good volunteer for the local uh, NGO We Hope and an all-around good guy. He's got lots of experiences, lots of stories to share, and some good information for anyone looking to uh to diversify their um their teaching uh teaching portfolio as he is off to greener pastures you are now tuned into this korean life with your hosts brian and nate welcome mr uh, rogelio garcia Nice. Uh, we're very glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. Appreciate no your time. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start off with uh, with first Nate. When uh, when did you meet Roy? I remember. <laughs> I, I actually remember really well. I was at the orphanage, and I had seen you a couple times. And then randomly one time we were playing soccer together, and I remember you were barefoot for some reason. You had like come in sandals, and I thought it was hilarious that there was this giant man running around a soccer field barefoot. But. Uh, it came up one way or another about hockey, and you were like, "Oh man, come out, come out to the rink. We have gear and everything." And I was like, "I've never played ice," and you were like, "Don't worry about it. None of these Korean dudes have either." So um, that was my first memory. I'm sure we like bumped into each other before you, that. You got a good memory. Yeah. Now, now, now to, that you mention it, I, I do. It's hard to forget you running around <laughs> a, a soccer field barefoot. But I've been here a few more years and run into a few more people, so I don't don't remember all of them so clearly. <laughs> Absolutely. But I don't think uh, I don't think many of them forget seeing the. The big guy. <laughs> I was at the swimming pool this morning, and I think most of those grandma and grandpa swimming there talk about me the whole time. <laughs> the grandpa. The big guy. That big guy. <laughs> the grandpa's having flashbacks from 1940 when he used to harpoon whales, man. <laughs> Good times. Uh, Anyways, Rogelio, it's, uh, I, always, I always find it funny that, uh, that a kid from California came over to Korea and and yeah. learn to play ice hockey. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, you're from uh, whereabouts in California? I grew up in L.A., like L.A. County, kind yeah, of yeah. one of the suburbs, a little place called Pico Rivera. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but after college, I moved to Seattle and lived in Seattle for uh, you know five or six years and met my wife there and we came to Korea together. Very nice. What uh, Did you grow up uh, uh, an L.A. fan? Uh, Kings? Yeah, the Kings. Oh, yeah, yeah. I still am. It's really? awful. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a terrible season this year, but yeah, I'm a... I grew up on Gretzky, right? Like that was the the era. It was like Kelly Rudy, yeah, I guess so. Gretzky. Yeah. I didn't think I was that 
much older than you. <laughs> Gretzky is. I remember Gretzky in the Oilers. In your, yeah, yeah. That was before <laughs> before I was too uh, conscious of the NHL. Oh, dope. That was it. Before I moved down south, nobody nobody really knew about it. No, so. no. He changed hockey in LA, though. I mean, he he brought hockey to hmm. to LA, um, and and even I mean, I think to the West, right? Like. Uh, I think most Canadians don't realize it because hockey was huge in Canada all the uh-huh. time, but uh-huh. we don't realize the impact it had down in the Southwest. And it was huge. And you had like movie stars going to these games, right? That was like part of the thing too that uh-huh. really pushed. We just felt like you stole one of our guys. <laughs> <laughs> but now, I mean, LA, San Jose, Anaheim, all within, you know, yeah. a little bit of each other all on the coast there is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've tried to go east from there too, right? Like the Phoenix and something. Vegas, I mean, it's kind of worked out. It's early, but yeah. it's worked yeah, out pretty big, well. We'll big first season. But uh, as soon as you were you were in uh, L.A., moved to Seattle. You were working there? You were studying there? What's the... Yeah, I I, I was kind of tired of living in L.A. I grew up there. and mm. it, It's a great place if you're not from there, but I think growing up there, it just it gets hard, <laughs> man. Traffic and it's just a grind. It's also expensive. Yeah. And, um, my sister was living in Seattle and I decided to kind of give it a shot and cool. uh, found a job up there really quickly in social services and then planned on only staying a year, but like one turned into five, just kind of <laughs> a similar thing. <laughs> <Literally. career. laughs> what happened to career? I mean, but it was great. I loved working in social services. Yeah. I worked for a couple of really good organizations that were um, mostly focused on uh, homeless young adults. So like 13 to 25 year olds who were homeless and um, providing a lot of pretty essential services for them. Cool. Um, uh, both like helping them meet some basic needs while they're on the street, but then also helping them transition off, you know, and get into housing uh, in in some way, shape, or form. There's a lot of different avenues they could take. Cool. So what uh, what put the bug in your about, uh, or what, what put the thought in your head about about coming to Korea? How did you hear about it? What was your so I had a buddy who was teaching in Thailand. Okay. Like eight years off and on. And yeah. He was a nut. I loved him. I grew up in LA. I'm such a weird dude, but. He had kind of gone to Thailand and come back and back and forth. And I remember just kind of, again, like three years into Seattle thinking like, oh, maybe we'll, it's time for a move. And um, he told me, oh, don't come to Thailand. The, the money is so much better in Korea. And then you can travel more and you could always come and visit me in Thailand. Yeah. And um, then looked into that and had a, realized like I had a couple of friends who had lived abroad here. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and then really just applied. I actually applied to Epic, the public program, man, like three, that Three years into Seattle. Okay. So probably like 2011 or 12 or something mm. like that. And got a job offer and then got super cold feet and backed off. No I didn't take it. <laughs> and, then, and then after I met Emily, and Emily was super tired of her job. She was working for the city of Seattle or for the county mm. at a county gig, making a lot of money, mm. um, but just hated it. Like it was like soul draining work. Yeah, yeah. And when I mentioned like, oh, you know, I had thought about living abroad too. It was like immediate. She was like, let's just go. Yeah. Any reason to quit my job. Because it's impossible to quit that job. Yeah. Great pay and great benefits. You retire at 50. Like all these things. Yeah. You know, you you don't, you don't have that job. But you got to wait till you're 50 to enjoy your life. (laughs) Yeah. So she just thought, man, if, if you want to go, let's go. So, um, from then on, it became like, you know, maybe six months to a year of planning and then applied and got the gig. And nice. Six months yeah. to a year planning. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, I think mine me. was about one week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's, I think, average. average. <laughs> I, had a, I had a similar, uh, similar to you. I, uh, my, I had met a buddy randomly on, uh, on the street and he said, oh, I was in Japan, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. Um, and that kind of put the bug in my ear and I thought about it, thought about it. Okay, I'm going, I'm going to Japan. 
<laughs> and things I don't know. I ended up in uh, ended up in Korea. It's quite a long story. I won't get into it, but yeah. um, it was mine. Yeah, Nate said six months or a year. Mine was buy a computer. Time to go. <laughs> it was uh, you know really yeah. uh, really came, quick. I, I was so tired of two thousand four, mm-hmm. and I had known some people that were here, and I put a thing on Dave's ESL, uh, my application or my yeah, my resume, and the next day I must have had. A hundred or two hundred different offers yeah. from all over the world. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, wow, <laughs> I'm so popular now. That's that's how it is. And they, it was from every possible Africa, <laughs> Asia, Europe, everywhere. And I thought, wow, Dad, I I got no problem finding a job. There's five hundred places that yeah. sent me. And then I realized after I got here that how many people are just fishing, recruiting, and yeah. sending out their stuff. Yeah. So when I realized in Korea, I had about probably. 50 60 offers and you had to the only time thing that took time was to siphon through them all to yeah to see what was real and what wasn't and who was calling location and how much half of them couldn't even speak english and i thought i don't know if i want to work there but do you want to come to my nigerian (laughs) hagwan (laughs) once once you got through and you i narrowed it down to a few countries and a few good schools in each one then it was pretty easy pick one and go yeah just invest in my school i pay a million dollars there's a 300 hundred dollar (laughs) application no for for us we chose create too it was like uh from everything we had heard and, and talked to our friends about it was like really comfortable easy to transition into and also like a great jumping off place to go and see other places. Mm. So like not only was it really good to live here and work here, um, and I really, I was drawn to like the the very sort of stable um, nature of the public school system, right? It wasn't like, there were there were no questions about are you going to get paid or oh, yeah, is yeah, your yeah. vacation going to be approved. Uh, not, that takes half the fun out of it. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, that, not that all hagwons are bad because I think there's some great ones out mm. there. But that was for me. I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to deal with that. Well, I how, can't. You know, sorry. How old were you when you came? We were older already. What 20, 28, 29? So that's why you don't want to be. I'm not rolling dice. The bush there. I'm not rolling <laughs> dice anymore. No. <laughs> I rolled. Uh, I rolled in at twenty two, and I just caught the tail end of the wild west. <laughs> yeah. Where it was still, you know, I'd say. 20, 30% of hogwans that people were still getting burned for their, for their severance or, yeah, or get whatever. fired one week before your contract. Yeah. Or that kind of stuff. So you, when did you come? What year? 2013. Okay. 2013. Cause we came. Yeah. When I came, it was still full hogwans and there was a couple of uni jobs around, but, yeah. um, I had left traveling two years backpacking and came back. Mm. And then that was 2008 was the start of the, Public school jobs. Yeah, when it yeah, yeah, and and that's when they just said, just go down to the board of education and tell them you're back here and you want to. We we had known some people. Yeah, and they said, just go tell them you want to. So everybody was applying from abroad. I think Wilson took 250 teachers in the first yeah. intake, yeah. and they'd all come from abroad. And Gareth and I were the only two. We went to Japan for visas and back, and we got them to pay for it. Yeah, and that was unheard of. But they knew we were. Good teachers. We lived yeah. here. We we knew people at the board of ed, <coughs> and uh, we also got to choose our schools, which was a huge bonus. Dude, that's that we knew <laughs> we knew the lay of the land, and yeah. we said, "Well, I prefer to work in this neighborhood at this school," yeah. and that's what we got. And we both had really good experiences. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That that is the only downside of Epic, right? Is that you get funneled <laughs> in the system, and they're like, "You're going to live in Korea," and you're like, "Where?" And they, oh, we'll let you know later. So we felt really lucky. We wanted Busan really bad. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to live in Seoul. Like, it just was never attractive Too much, to us. Eh? Yeah. But Busan was really attractive and, the you know, living on the coast and all these. 
and they rejected me actually. And then, but my recruiter through Epic was like, Ulsan has plenty of openings. It's an yeah. hour away. And <laughs> you're in a good, you're in a good area too. I'm really, yeah. actually, like I look at it now and I look back at Busan would have been great, but we have friends who live down there. And when we go down there, it's just not the same feel. Like, I don't know if that's a little bit of like a sort of, you know, uh, feeling like, good about our situation after the fact yeah. <laughs> like trying trying to you know feel good about getting rejected by yeah. but but definitely um Ulsan has been really good to us the community's great and mm. it feels good to be here yeah and that's i've i've been here over 11 years nate close to 15 and that a lot of people who leave um whether they go back home or go to other countries that's something i Again, I've only lived in Ulsan, and I don't know if it happens in Busan or Seoul, but yeah. they always talk about, oh, the feeling of the expats. Oh, it's mm-hmm. a nice, you know, we got a tight, a nice, mm-hmm. uh, nice community. I just think in Seoul is too, too spread out. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely pockets or areas, but I think in Busan, it might be a little bit different where mm-hmm. a lot of the people live close to the beach, and that's mm-hmm. why they choose Busan to live by the beach. So mm-hmm. they must be a fairly tight knit group close around there, but yeah. those cities are so big. Yeah. Ulsan's no, big, but a lot of people live in, the similar areas and mm-hmm. hang out in the similar areas so yeah it's uh i always think it's one of the the best cities and we're out we got the ktx i mean it wasn't here when we came but yeah um close to busan i can get to the beach before people in busan can for sure yeah we have a buddy who lives in nopadong and it's yes yeah. if we sure. leave our place at the same yeah. time i hop on the bus yeah. he hops on the subway we get yeah. there at the same time so yeah we had a buddy a couple of buddies who lived in Ulsan for three years left came back but then got placed in busan and they they were like in a really interesting position where they lived in both places, yeah. and they talked a lot about like Ulsan being a really great community, yeah. having a much different feel. And um, it's even I mean when we came here, man, it was there was a hundred Hagwan teachers and some some uni teachers who had been here for a while. Mm-hmm. And when the epic when the epic uh, people came in, things kind of you know spread out a little more, but it's still. Uh, it still has that feeling. Of- I remember in the beginning, there was a lot of Canadians, Aussies, and Kiwis. Mm-hmm. And then once the Epic, they needed so many teachers. Yeah. And I think out of 250, maybe 180 or something were from America. Yeah. And that was a big shift in the demographic of, of Western foreigners here. Yeah. Cool. Um, and it's back, uh, back on here. We, uh, Roy, before, before coming to Korea, had you traveled? Not anywhere before? Much. Not very much. Just no. within yeah. within the U.S.? Yeah. You know, I, I traveled late. We grew up not like poor, but not a traveling family in L.A. Yeah. We, I got on an airplane the first time. I was 19, I think. <laughs> 19. My first yeah. airplane ride was here, man. Really? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, got, I got a passport when I was probably 24. Yeah, yeah. Like, we just didn't travel. Yeah. You know, but I think that's part of living in North America. It's so big it's and huge. so vast. Yeah. You didn't need a passport. No, I mean, no. I don't know if you gone to Vancouver or Canada, but I mean, yeah. we used to play hockey in the States every weekend and yeah. I traveled all over Canada and America playing hockey Yeah, and uh, that's as big as all of Europe and, For sure. and Asia and so. And regionally, all those places are really different, right? Like you go to Vancouver yeah. versus Toronto versus Montreal. Yeah, demographically, America, yeah. demographically yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, it's way different so, each place. So. Yeah. so, I mean, you live in Korea, if you, I always make a comment like the sidewalks are the same throughout the whole, throughout the mm. whole country. It's pretty... Uh, pretty similar yeah. city to city but he said in, in canada man everything it's, and the it's totally east different. coast yeah, to west yeah, coast yeah. is <laughs> very yeah. very different Gr- so. growing up in la and then i remember traveling to boston for work at one point and being like man people are different here like it's <laughs> not bad like it's hard, great, yeah. but just like dude they're like they're a little bit rough mm. i remember talking to a buddy who grew up somewhere cold too and he was like that's what it is man you, you gotta endure cold, yeah 
it changes you a little bit, you know. Um, but I traveled to Guatemala and Mexico, but not nowhere off of you know the Central America. Yeah, California is pretty diverse just in itself. Oh, you from, drive up from to north to south. I mean, drive up to San Francisco. It's different. The that, beaches, that the mountains. And, yeah, yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Very nice. Very nice. So um, the I had known um, a, a friend, a longtime resident in Ulusan before coming. And he said, uh, I said, what, you know, what, uh, what should I bring or what am mm. I, uh, you know, g- give me a list of stuff. And he said, the only thing you shouldn't bring is your girlfriend. He, he, that was his, uh, his thing. He said, don't bring sand to the beach. I remember the email from back in the day. You came as uh, you came as a married man. Yeah. You yeah. came as a married man. I had some very special sand. <laughs> no, no. I've seen a lot of couples come together and leave separately. I, I, I've traveled a lot and it was always not the real travelers, but people always said, just, just go on your own and meet new people and, and find and find a new way. And Emily and I talk a lot about that, that it's, we're glad we came here as a couple, but it would have been a, a vastly different experience sure, coming sure. separately. No doubt. Totally, sure. totally. Day to day. But I think too, in, I mean, Korea has definitely given you some hardships and, and working through those together as a, as a, as a married, as a married mm-hmm. couple definitely probably builds your, builds your relationship and, and yeah. bond stronger, right? And our, our marriage really has been in Korea. Like we were together and lived together and dated for a long time in two, two years, two and a half years before coming here. So we like dated for a year and a half and then lived together for about a year, year and a half and then moved to Korea, got married right before we came. Like we were, <laughs> we got married in May and then left um seattle in like mid-may mm. june and then uh went on a big road trip and then came to korea and so this is you're still on your honeymoon then yeah it's just never ended <laughs> five, five and a half years. but i think it's funny because if i mean i think it's impressive that you also that you're married so it must be you put more effort and time into your relationship where mm-hmm. if it was just a girlfriend and easy to say hey Korea's pretty fun, man. I could I could live without you, no problem. <laughs> yeah. But if you're married, you obviously put a little more time and effort into the relationship. So yeah. I think that's cool. And I, I reminisce many times, what if I came with somebody, mm-hmm. how different my experience would be and how many things I would have missed Yeah, yeah. missed out on that I, I did because I was single. Yeah. But on the at the same hand, you experience all kinds of cool things traveling with your wife where yeah. I, I've never it, it, it has been it has been kind of cool to experience a lot of that. and honestly too like uh coming here was really hard that first six months for me i think i experienced a lot yeah. more homesickness and like regret. <laughs> really yeah dude really it was rough ah. i missed my job like i loved that the social hated? work that i did so no no, no emily, oh, hated emily. <laughs> i loved my job man i love my job and the people that i worked with and also like the five years in Seattle, I had worked really hard to get to a place in a position at an organization that I really loved. Like, mm. like looking back on it, when I was in LA and thinking about moving to Seattle, the job I ended with was like, I remember thinking, I would love to work for this organization and this program. Mm. And I ended up getting that job and being there. Yeah. And so leaving that job was not easy for me. Yeah. But I knew that it was good for us, like Emily and I. And I was really interested in the adventure and like living abroad. But Coming here, man, those first six months, I'm not kidding when I thought, am I going to make it through this first contract? Really? Like, like should ah. I, should we just go at Christmas? Like, yeah. I just hated it. I didn't ah. enjoy the work and I wasn't, didn't feel good at it. And also I felt really isolated at my school, which I think is a big thing sure. for every teacher. Yeah, You're the only foreigner in yeah. this place. But don't get me wrong, it was um, a really beneficial experience for me. Looking mm. back on it, I grew a bunch in that first year and 
Awesome. But it was hard. So now looking back, would you change it or no? No, no. I'm really glad we came. I mean, now we're going to live abroad for the foreseeable future. So that job at home is always there, right? A hundred percent. You can go home and get that job anytime. My references on my resume now are my old bosses back home too. And constantly like that first three years i would get emails from people that i worked with like hey the position open if you're ready for it yeah. so 100 percent, yeah. home is always there right like it's never going and, anywhere and saying that you came in 2013 and that was rough imagine the poor guys who came in 2008 when 2008 I, uh the first 1998 no no i mean the oh. first epic teachers oh okay. the first epic teachers who went to their school and they said oh we we didn't get you an apartment yet because we don't know how to do that because the board yeah. of ed just told them, "Hey, get your secretaries or your English teachers mm-hmm. to go and find an apartment." That was never in their job description no. to find an apartment to rent, <laughs> and and then they have to find furniture. Hundred percent. So you and you came and it was like and, yeah. they probably had the apartment or you had some options. They had five years experience. I For mean, sure. Gareth and I had already lived here, so we we knew what we wanted. We knew you know. And I went to the school yeah. daily for like two weeks before my job started to meet the people and, and go yeah. and she said, well, go and look at apartments. And if you find something you like, that's $500, tell us and we'll yeah. do it. But I remember people coming in and going, well, it said we're a couple, so we should get a bigger apartment for two of us. But instead they gave them two tiny single ones and yeah. some of them weren't furnished yet. And yeah. oh my God, there was so many problems. So yeah. your rough time in 2013 would have been no, a dream no. for some people. 100%. My, I moved in seamlessly. We had an apartment. They dropped us off. They, you know, showed yeah. us around a little bit. And I had great co-teachers. Don't get me wrong. Just like to be really honest, their English ability wasn't great. Mm. I spoke zero Korean at that point. Yeah. So it was, it was rough. Some of the communication yeah. between us. And sure. my, old my first co-teacher she was a very sweet old lady her english was not good mm. but um she was retiring actually too so not that it's like she checked out but i think a lot of times she was like i'm leaving in you know three months dude. it doesn't matter like, yeah. you're gonna be fine and you know <laughs> let the next person deal with it oh very nice we uh <clears throat> had a vastly different experience coming in we i was at a huge uh, a really big hog one over a thousand students and wow. we had eight Eight foreign teachers. So every day you go to work, it's a it's a party with yeah, yeah. it's a party with uh, with the people, which made the transition a lot uh, a lot easier, obviously. Yeah, and that I is think one of the benefits. I think some of the other ones though, like in the in the groups after that came, um, they came with their epic groups, and it was very clicky. Yeah, and and they just stayed with their epic groups. Where yeah. I found when we came earlier, you were forced to go out because you didn't know anybody, and yeah. and you you had to go and you said hi to every foreigner that you saw because 100%. you didn't know when you'd see the next one. <laughs> And there was no Facebook, and there was no cacao. Yeah, and yeah. It was it was a real adventure because dude, I was so like before I started my my first contract, I was here for a month, and like it was at a really small school. I was covering for someone else, and I remember seeing the first foreigner. I had, I hadn't talked to anyone in <laughs> in like two weeks, man. And I met this guy in the bus, and I just give him my full like, I'm from here, I'm from here. I'm saving this much money a month, and. This, <laughs> No, I've been eating this for lunch, and like, he's just like, dude, I've been here for three years. I don't give a shit. I don't care what you're saying, you know? No, I know what you mean. And, yeah. and embarrassing. Yeah. Embarrassing. I liked in the early days that it forced you out of your comfort zone. I mean, no, I good. grew up and hung out with a certain kind of people, usually hockey players in Canada. Yeah. And then once I came here, there is no hockey players, and all of a sudden it was, well, this 45-year-old guy is my friend, and this, yeah, you, yeah. you know, all kinds of people that never I never really would have had in my, in my yeah. circle are now... That really opened me up a lot. It really blows Koreans' minds when I, I say, "Oh, I'm going out with my friend." Oh, who? But oh, he's fifty, or he's 
you know, he's uh, he's early 40s or he's 20. That, that, that's not your age. It's not even around your age. Yeah. But it, it's funny to yeah. funny to see. Um, good. Uh, let's uh, let's keep moving on here. Uh, raising uh, out of your out of your marriage, you've uh, you've had a, a beautiful daughter. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were gonna go into the did you know one. Into the did you know one? No, we'll do the daughter first. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tell did us you know about her? your daughter. She's great. <laughs> she doesn't do a whole lot. Little... She, she likes to jump and run, and she's two now. Um, Jeez. But yeah, it's happened really quickly. We decided that was one of the reasons we decided to stay longer too was to try to get pregnant and yeah have a little, having having a kid here has been oh we talked i remember talking about this with you years yeah. with years ago yeah yeah we we weren't planning on having kids here yeah. and the more we thought about it, the more i was like man like m can stay home great insurance yeah uh, you know much cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> and the way it ended up with m you know and, and lou coming early that yeah, yeah. We probably saved twenty thousand dollars i mean i'm, oh. I'm imagining that well um, I, I know i know from from my earlier years here, there were I met many couples who would come here to have kids that had tried in America. They had to do in vitro or, or another. All that stuff is unnatural crazy cheaper here, yeah. Technique and yeah. it was going to be way cheaper here. They come, yeah. they get a decent job, make yeah. money. Yeah, and they're not just making and saving money here. Yeah. They're saving the cost. That they don't have to spend, you know, trying all those procedures or, or yeah. whatever at home. So yeah. Um, one couple comes to mind and they ended up having twins here and they couldn't be happier. Yeah. They had their twins. They stayed one more year and then moved back to the States. And yeah. I remember meeting multiple couples that, you know, it was much, much cheaper than having it in the States. And I thought, wow. Yeah. Cause in Canada, it's, I mean, it's relatively inexpensive. So mm. no, it's, it's, uh, like Luna was born, what, almost two months early. Mm. Like, so she was pretty early. Yeah. She was supposed to be a February baby. She came in December. And um, so there was a lot of stuff we had to do. She was in the ICU, the yeah. MICU for quite a while, 16 days, I think. And yeah. so the whole time we were there, I thought, man, it's going to be really expensive. And I was getting a little bit nervous about money. And, mm. you know, in the back of my mind, obviously, the first thing we were thinking about was like, no, that's a natural well, yeah, kid to, to be healthy. But, this is when you're thinking, thank God I didn't take that Hogwan job. I know, right? <laughs> thank God I actually have insurance. Do I have that insurance? Oh, we <laughs> yeah, just told you you did, but you don't really. <laughs> well, that was the crazy thing. Was I, I remember at the end of the stay, like in my mind thinking, I'm prepared to spend 15 grand. Like mm. if we got to check out with $15,000 bill, it's okay. What about yeah. 16? And not, <laughs> <laughs> Keep her canceled. She'll wash dishes. But um, we go to check out and they give me a bill that's like, 550 bucks and i said no 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 no. i want to pay all of it like we're gonna pay all of it (laughs) i want the whole bill and and they're like no this is it this is your bill emily so that the birth emily was in the hospital three days luna in the nicu for 16 days all of that under it was 550,001 under 500 dollars nice us us dollars which is just insane that you can't. Have a <laughs> Come on, you <laughs> saved more than twenty thousand. Oh yeah, That's crazy. Sixteen days in the NICU. And, yeah. yeah. Do you call it NICU or NICU? NICU. NICU. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The first time I heard someone say. Well, it's funny because no one say ICU, right? ICU. You yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. ICU, no one says the ICU. I've yeah, been NICU. I've been teaching NICU for for the last five years and the no, first I time i heard someone say nikki was your was your wife i was like yeah she doesn't know what she's talking about yeah. maybe i don't i don't know i don't want to correct her i'm an english and, teacher and you was there any symptoms or anything that 
led to that, or was that just kind of spontaneous? Boom. So no, it was. Because I, re- I remember you calling and asking for what, what's going on, what's, and you're yeah. right between two hospitals, and you. It was rough. So like, actually, the way it all went down was Emily went into labor early, but we didn't know it. She woke up one morning, was like in pretty uh, decent amount of pain. Mm. Thought it was like back pain or like gas, just not feeling well. For a long time, like all day long. And I actually had a buddy here visiting from the States who was a doctor. <laughs> and we, we were like doing stuff all day and she was kind of resting. And then finally we got back home late. It was like 8 or 9 p.m. And she was like, I just threw up actually. I'm, not, I'm really not feeling well. Mm. And then he was like, hey, let me like, he's not, uh, doesn't work, you know, in a in any birthing capacity. But he was like, let me look online really quick. I have like access to some databases. And yeah. he went in and was like, actually, I think with all the things you're telling me, like, you might be in labor and you should go in. She had actually passed what they call a mucus plug earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had talked to the nurse and the nurse said, just lay around. As long as things don't get worse and your pain isn't increasing, you can come in tomorrow and we'll give you a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think actually also Emily has like a crazy high pain threshold, like mm. a very high pain threshold. So for her, she was like, I don't, I don't feel well, but I'm not in labor. Yeah. But then we went in. <laughs> we went in around. They said it hurts more than this. Yeah. <laughs> we went in around 10, 30 or 11 at night to Boram, the, the hospital near us. Mm. We had been going for her appointments. And basically they said, yeah, you're in labor and the baby's coming. And um, at that point they said, we don't have a NICU. We don't have any NICU services here. You got to go to Busan or Daegu. Yeah. And then they called around, found us a bed in Busan, and we hopped in the ambulance and went to Busan. So is that, I don't have any experience in that, but is that, there's no NICU services in all of Busan? No, they have beds in Donggu, but they were full. Uh, they don't have, it's not, it's not big. Even, even in Busan, they only had, like in the room I'm trying to think, they had probably less than 15 incubators. But that's crazy. So, Busan's over a million people. It's wild, yeah. Busan, Busan's five. Yeah, four or five. Yeah. Wow. Busan has several hospitals right. that have services. Daegu has several. So, but I can't believe Busan doesn't. Sorry, we don't have any space. <laughs> yeah. Chariapta. No. <laughs> oh, Jeez. It was, yeah, it was for us, it was shocking. And then it just, the next 24 hours just are a blur. Yeah. I remember driving in the car behind the ambulance because I had like gone home to grab stuff. It was mm. so early. We hadn't even made our bag yet. Oh but, yeah. But it was our plan was we have a buddy coming to visit and the next weekend we're gonna like get the room ready and pack our bag and mm. um oh, they we said time. Let's decorate the nursery. Six to seven months there, you yeah. never know. Get yeah. ready. It was crazy. So <laughs> so uh yeah, we I remember like driving to the car and calling people and then asking calling one family member back home and be like, Hey, can you call everyone and let them know this is what's going mm. on? And then then once we got to the hospital, everything was pretty okay. But it was a long while then. Like we were in the hospital there probably from about 2 a.m. until noon. Mm. And she gave birth right around noon. That was wow. when we came. So I've had a few different experiences in the hospital and they've all been quite comical just because of the the language barriers or the culture differences. But yeah. it must have been scary going in that situation. And I mean, was there a lot of English? Were they, could they so communicate well? It or wasn't. It was, it that was, would make it a lot more frustrating. I was going to say it was probably about a 60-40 mix, 60 Korean <laughs> and 40 English. And I was like, my Korean skills were like put to the test. There's also like a lot of medical lingo that I have no idea. Like, mm, I don't, sure. There's a lot of body yeah. part stuff that I'm not going to catch. <laughs> but yeah. I can order food pretty well. I can mm. have a you know little conversation. But so And you want details i want clarification what is happening but but with that said the level of care that we got in the busan hospital was just incredible like all the nurses were incredibly warm and and um really kind to us at the end emily you know we hadn't even really thought about if if we wanted to have an epidural or not and then eventually emily was like 
I need an epidural. <laughs> Give me an epidural. Yeah. So they called the dude in. And that was like one of the most surreal things. This guy walks in. I swear to God, in my memory, he has like a hat, like a top hat on and a suit. He walks in. And a cane? Business. Dude, just like, a planter of peanuts, man. <laughs> so he walks in and like takes his coat off, puts his hat down, and just like goes to work, right? Like he's the epidural guy. Willy Wonka. And he, he comes in. And <laughs> Emily said that he came in and gave her the epidural. And, and she was like, thank you. Not expecting him to speak any English. And he was like, no problem. It's my job. <laughs> and just walked out. Like this, you know, it's just like this very <laughs> mythical figure in it's our like, heads now. I don't, do you guys know at home? I, I, I'm not sure. But what I thought was interesting here is when we went into the first one, they told my wife that the epidural guy goes home at six. And after six, you can't have an epidural. Uh-huh. So if you want it, you got to get it now before he goes home. And, <laughs> and I thought, really? Anyways, I, I'm just, have you guys heard at home how, is there, I'm guessing there's someone so, always available, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. I know that the epidural is also really different here where, um, like back home, M's friends have said it's a drip, but here it was like a bunch of epidural, a bunch of medication at once <laughs> and she'd feel really great, but also she had a pretty negative reaction and was like throwing up quite a bit. So she'd feel like relief from the pain, but then vomit a bunch and then. She got really cold and shivers, but like the pain had gone down and then it would slowly wear off and they tell her and us like if when it starts to hurt again, let us know and we'll give you more. So it was like instead of the drip, right? Like a constant level of medication. Mm. It was like a big bunch of it all at once. Because for my wife, they had it on a dial there and they turn it up. I think it was Mm. a drip and they turn it up or turn it down. Mm. And uh, (laughs) they said, okay, well. Yeah. We, the, the baby's going to come. We want you to feel the contraction. So we're going to turn it down. Turn it down now, yeah. So that you can feel huh. You can push at the right time. Yeah. And I, I didn't, like you, I, I didn't know a lot about this stuff, but I learned pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, a, that, yeah, that was an interesting experience for me. The other one I was going to say was my mother and sister came mm. for the birth of the f- my first daughter. And uh, like you say, you didn't know what's going on and you want clarity. And they would come in and say, well, she's only dilated this much, so yeah. it's going to be at least four or five more hours. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, mom, my sister, you might as well go get something to eat or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll send you a message if there's any any movement or any action happening. Mm-hmm. And then they left, and 10 minutes later, the, the nurse comes in. And she goes, okay, we're ready. <laughs> Doctor comes in like, you just told us 20 minutes ago that yeah. it was going to be like four or five more hours. She's barely dilated. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they just decided, boom, it was going to come, and... Yeah. So, uh, very different than the experiences my sister has four, five kids, five kids, and very different than the experiences she's had, my yeah. sister-in-laws have had. Yeah. And uh, I was just so surprised at how lack of yeah of accurate information they give you. It's crazy for us though, because I remember at like five a.m. one of the nurses said the baby will be born before noon. And I remember thinking like, did you know? Get out of here! Like, <laughs> no one knows this. Story. Right. Right. But, exactly. But, Luna was born at 11.58 a.m. No so way. Like, and that nurse was just like, you're, you're just like, getting it. ready to call her out. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they told us the same thing. And then, this yeah, baby will come before <laughs> 7 o'clock because that's when the yeah. doctor goes home. <laughs> and then we got to change doctors and he doesn't... They give her the Ace Venture. So, <laughs> so that was Coming it. <laughs> they told us, even at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, your baby will come before 7 o'clock. Yeah. One way or another, it's going to come <laughs> The biggest difference culturally for us in the hospital, I think, was like the me not being able to be in the room. And at that point, too, like I was so nervous about M's health and Luna's health that whatever they did, I wasn't going to question it. Right? Like, yeah. I'm in your hands. Yeah. But... 
So I remember them like we were in one room for the entire time we'd been admitted and the nurses were caring for him and I was in there the whole time and I thought we'd give birth there, but then they moved her to another room and I remember trying to come and they're like, no, 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 stay here. And then I remember I, like, no, no, I want to see. And then they were like, they cracked the door open. For yeah. me, I remember. <laughs> and like, I could kind of like see M's feet like down this hallway, like into another room. And they were like, you need to stay here. <laughs> and I remember being like, all right, like this is crazy. And then, but it was quick. It was probably less than 15 minutes from when they took her into wow. the room. Lou was born. Yeah. And then they brought Lou out. And I remember they thought, I thought, oh, they're going to hand her to me. And they just kind of like showed her to me. Like, hey, check out this baby, bro. And then, <laughs> yeah, she was gone. And Emily came in. Emily was really out of it at that point, too. I think, you know, just exhaustion. She had sure. been up for yeah. like 30 hours or something and in a lot of pain. And they, they then like swept me away and took me to a room. And then with a translator, we sat down with the doctor and they just ran through a list of you know, possible outcomes for yeah. you and things they were nervous about, things they had to do. Yeah. And I signed this, you know, papers and like documents and documents, you know, five mm. or six stacks of paper. And they were like, um, we're going to do our best to take care of uh, your daughter. Mm. You know, there's a lot that needs to happen in the next 24 hours for her. Yeah. Bri had a pretty funny skin to skin episode uh, with his yeah. first kid, didn't you? Yeah. Which Did one? they make you take your shirt off? Oh yeah, I, I I I was pinch hitting for uh, for mom there. Nice. They uh, yeah. Wait, oh, which one are you talking about? I thought you took your shirt off and they saw the tatties and they were. Oh no, that was my heart <laughs> exam. <laughs> that, that was awesome. that was my heart. We, that was uh, my. We heart really exam. wanted to do skin to skin stuff and then read a lot about it and but I mean really we didn't touch Lou for fourteen days. Yeah. Um, and that's all I think. Wow. The Korean. Outlook is like nervous about infection. And don't get me wrong, Lou was a preemie and her, yeah. you know, she has some skin Immune issues. System, yeah. But like back home, one of our buddies had a preemie and they did skin to skin every day. So I think there's some mm. like cultural, oh, 100%. medical outlook. Well, I think traditionally, I mean, even my mother-in-law, she didn't, or she advised like yeah. no one, no one in the house for a hundred days yeah, and this and that. Yeah. I went, lady, relax. But yeah. even, even, even just keeping yeah. the women in the, the Jody one. Yeah, uh, that's different too. And, and they only see their babies to breastfeed. Yep. They don't even take them casually. You so got to relax. I remember going down yeah. the first night. I thought, well, it's two in the morning. I was in a room with eight ladies and all their mothers, and they gave me a bench this size to sleep on. <laughs> and I thought, I'm just going to, I want to be with the baby. I'm going to go down. And I went into the breastfeeding room. Yeah. And I said, can I see my baby, please? And I know there's no one breastfeeding this time. They're all sleeping. Yeah. And I just, they, they said, sure. Yeah. I think there was a couple of university aged ladies in their on nice. the overnight shift and all the babies were screaming and screaming yeah and i thought wow i hope that's not mine can i have my baby and they gave it to me and i sat there for a couple hours yeah and then the door opened and i went it was my wife uh, and i was like you told me you're too tired and you're exhausted and she said but but i'm just surprised you didn't come back up they must have gave you the baby so i wanted to see yeah. and i was just sitting there i was holding her all night yeah but major major culture differences and it, it seems that they they like you know go and bring your mom and dad and let them mm -hmm. wave at the baby through the window and yeah so different much, than much home. different yeah yeah I think the first time M held Lou was when they they brought her in around day fourteen or fifteen right before we knew she was going to be out because her it was all waiting on her on her weight and on a couple of brain scans because there was a bit of blood on Lou's brain that they were like we need to make sure that this is reabsorbed if mm. not then it gets really serious. Mm. It was. It was no problem at all. But nice. I remember when we knew Lou was going to be out, they were like, come in on this day and we're going to do breastfeeding stuff. Because we had been taking breast milk right. to the hospital yeah. and we were feeding it to Lou. But um, 
that was like the first time we got to see her outside of this, you know, yeah. alien spaceship that she was in. Oh, that she dude, was that was awesome. So it was, yeah, it was incredible. It was incredible. The, uh, terrifying to, you know, at first and then the, yeah. the great, the great feeling of holding her. Oh, yeah. I, we had, Gina had come at night. So as the hospital works, when the baby comes, you get to get a room. Mm-hmm. And at six or seven o'clock at night, it was too late. So we got the last choice, which is a room of 10, eight or 10 people. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, we had, I'd asked for a single room or the VIP room mm-hmm. because we weren't going to stay more than two nights. Yeah. And I just wanted some privacy and of just, course. and if we had this, the VIP room, we could have the baby in the room. We could uh, keep her in the room. Nice. Um, so they gave it to us the next morning and we went and it was bigger than my apartment. <laughs> yeah. It was bigger yeah. than my apartment. It was huge. Yeah. And it had a kitchenette and it had TVs and sofas and mm. table and chairs. So it was my mom, my sister. And then my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, sister-in-law with her family. Mm-hmm. And we ordered chicken and pizza. And we were drinking <laughs> beer, watching the Olympics because that was right at the Olympic time. Yeah. And the nurse came in to bring the seaweed soup. <laughs> and she knocked on the door and she goes, what's going on in here? <laughs> you know, I don't, so I don't know what they use the VIP room for, but we used it for 12 people. Yeah. <laughs> and the nurse said, you can't have this many people in here. You can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember that the look on her face was just me a utter piece of shock. Chicken, please. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm going to take this out of the room. My, my <laughs> wife was eating, you know, non-traditional <laughs> yeah, food. Yeah. And I mean, if you have pizza and chicken and seaweed soup, which one are you going to take? <laughs> so, so we, we, we were also in a group room, but it was really nice. Like everyone in the room was, um, super supportive and kind. And also we were actually really surprised by how good the food was. Um, uh, I don't know if that's like being foreigners, where it's like, any garbage you throw but, but Emily, like, fell in love with seaweed soup. Yeah. She had never really liked it before. Yeah. And she was like, man, it's super good. I ended up, when we came home, I remember either, like, going to little banchan shops and buying me a Google or, or making it at home for probably two months after. Mm, sure. She loved seaweed yeah. soup. It's all she wanted to eat. That's right? funny. I uh, One of my old gigs was at a hospital. Um, it was the, the me and the, the owner of the hospital's daughter who ran an English program for kids. Mm-hmm. She also, um, she had studied in america to to become a chef and other than the kids program she was also cooking for the for the ladies in the jordy one she said it doesn't matter <laughs> what she cooks she'll make the same pot of miyakuk and and give it to miyakuk for people listening at home is seaweed soup yeah? she'll give it to lady one. Oh, not enough meat yeah. oh too salty yeah. not salty <laughs> enough oh they said there's it's steady complaints unless yeah. it uh, <laughs> unless it comes from mama it's, it's like the kimchi yeah. I, I love restaurant kimchi but my mother-in-law's kimchi is sometimes hard to get down but uh, I, I, I love eating kimchi <laughs> I, I mean like like raw fresh raw kimchi yeah if I put it on the stove or in kimchi jjigae or whatever fine but yeah. um, otherwise I really prefer restaurant kimchi because I think that's just the most taste the most kimchi I've eaten is from yeah. there so but yeah, the Koreans are really, right? really picky as to yeah. which ones they like, and usually it's mums. Yeah, all, all kimchi is good except when they sneak the the raw oysters in. <laughs> oh <laughs> god, and dude, every oh, year, every, hey, try some new kimchi, and then you just get that, yeah. that explosion in Why your mouth. Why am I eating fish guts? <laughs> <laughs> you said kimchi, not fish guts. <laughs> oh god, yeah, that's the one I'm not a huge fan. Oh, good times. All right, let's uh, let's jump in to uh, the first segment. Again, this is the first podcast. We're gonna have uh, two segments for each uh, for each podcast. The first one is going to be uh, "Did You Know," uh, where we introduce a fact from from Korean history and uh, 
bounce it off the uh, bounce it off the guest and see what he or she or they or J thinks. <laughs> Zzer. Um, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> see what they see what they think. So. This is uh, the first one has to do with uh, with the printing press. So basically, upon coming to Korea, you know, in your discussion classes, topics come up all the time, and and there's reoccurring topics that always come up. And one is about uh, you know about history or inventors, and if you're talking about the invention of the printing press, uh, growing up in in uh, Western uh, in a Western country, Gutenberg is always credited with with the patent or with the with the invention of uh, the printing press. But you you throw that out in a in a in a Korean class, and people are very quick to <clears throat> very quick to let you know that in fact Korea had either what was it two hundred two hundred years before yeah two hundred years before they had um, it wasn't exactly a printing press, but it was. Uh, movable type printing. Yeah. Um, so, and they did that. It was, it says a full 220 years before Gutenberg mm-hmm. printed the Bible in 1454. So, again, with this, uh, uh, difference in, in thinking, uh, was there anything else in, um, similar to this? Any other similar situations where you're, you know, growing up, you thought, one way and you came to Korea and went, oh my God, I, I had no, I had no idea. Some yeah, information think, like this? Yeah, I think uh, definitely like <clears throat> coming here, especially around think, thinking about like the level of uh, sort of Asian development, right? Like, is it a developed country? And I know Korea is um, sort of the the hallmark of development. When we think of Japan and Korea. And they, they won't admit that though, you know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They always say developing, yeah. but yeah, we're people, still we're still getting there. Yeah. Where? No, I I mean, and don't get me wrong. I think in some regards, it's it it's also true that like Korea is a really interesting place that is very developed in some regards. Mm. And I agree. Still developing in it's some definitely regards. Definitely still developing. Dude, in lots of ways. I love it, and I know this may be indicative of any big city, but. There are times when I'm walking down the street and I catch the whiff of like developing Asia. Oh yeah, <laughs> who took a dump right yeah, here? Yeah. <laughs> Why does it smell like that? Because when I grew up, my shoe. You never, I never got the sure. whiff right. Like yeah. that's that's very much so. Like yeah, it's still developing. And, it smells and like a Thailand, <laughs> Thailand street. Yeah, yeah, but but I think um, around transportation, like I had this much different idea of the level of transportation that would be available in Korea, and was just blown away by like. Not only the KTX, but even in the cities that we live in, right? Mm. Like there, there is the availability of public transport is just incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even Ulsan doesn't have a subway, but it's there's still, a it's bus a... that'll take you any single yeah. place you want every and, ten and minutes. Growing, growing up in Canada, and I mean, we were in a small town that yeah. didn't have any subways or anything, only hundred thousand yeah. people. Yeah, but. We still never really took the bus. You drove everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everybody drove everywhere. And yeah. it was yeah. only people who didn't have a car who, who would yeah. take the bus. But even a taxi, I mean, I could count on one hand the amount of times I took a bus or taxi when yeah. I was young. Yeah. And I don't know if we developed that mentality that that's not, I'm too good for that. Or maybe that's not, we don't have to do that. We're lucky we don't have to do that. 100%. But yeah. coming to Korea... I was happy and proud to take those because they were saving me money left, right, and center. And yeah. it was extremely cheap and very efficient. Yeah. And like you say, the buses go everywhere and anywhere. Yeah. And it's not like at home, there's a lot of poorer people who end up 
taking the bus because they don't have another means of transportation. 100%. But I remember getting on the bus my first year and seeing women with Louis Vuitton and, and Gucci handbags. Why do you have a Louis Vuitton bag and ride the bus? Because yeah. where I'm from, if you yeah, have a Louis Vuitton, yeah. you drive a Ferrari. Yep. Or, or a Mercedes or yep. an Audi or something. Yeah. So I was always flabbergasted to see here and in Japan that they would, they would eat ramyeon noodles five yes. days a week. Yeah. Just to save money to get a bag and have that superficial glam appearance, uh, yeah, yeah, and ride the bus. Yeah, so I think I was I think, also surprised. That. I think also one reason though that like um, the transportation is better here is because they view it as something for everyone, though, right? It's yeah, not sure. just for public. absolutely. And I know in LA they're trying to change that mentality and get folks to ride public mm, transport, yeah. especially with the way traffic is now. My one, my cousin works for the DOT there and the Department of Transportation. Yeah. She was saying that there's this huge push in terms of marketing. Not just planning, but yeah. marketing to get people to change, change their, their idea yeah. about, look, the bus is great or like the rail is great. Yeah. It saves you time, saves you money, no far more convenient, mm. which I think Korea, it's not out of the ordinary for someone to take a bus. You take it across the country. Yeah. You hop on a train. But it's, it's population density too. Right? Not like That's in true. Canada where you take the Greyhound and <laughs> someone yeah. chop your head off. I, your head or your body parts <laughs> I off. think of the Greyhound as definitely like <laughs> poor folks getting across the country. That's how poor folks move, right? Like you don't, I would never take the Greyhound back home. I took buses across Korea all the time because they're super comfortable. I took the Greyhound from Mexicali to San Diego. <laughs> and that was scary, dude. And then I took it again from San Diego to San Francisco. And same, I think, I used to ride the Greyhounds playing hockey, but that was with the boys. Yeah. But, man, I remember riding from Saskatchewan to Manitoba and... We were just one. Who's the crazy guy? Who wears the scary yeah, yeah, yeah. guy? <laughs> Harvesting oh, organs in the backseat. <laughs> no, it's, it's definitely one of those things. And you say it's more natural. And I thought, what are I all these iceboxes doing here? <laughs> we were up in Seoul a few weeks ago, the wife and I, and we, we were looking to get to one part of town, which is only, whatever, 15 minutes away. And the subway is, you know, across the street, down the stairs, 15 escalators, up and down and everything. Yeah, yeah. And she goes, well... And you have to transfer two times to get to where we're going. She goes, well, here, let's just take the bus. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think at home you'd never do that. You might get a taxi. Yeah. But you would, and I said, let's get a taxi. But in Seoul, it's hard sometimes to find taxis. Yeah. Especially on the busy nights. Um, and she said, let's just get the bus. And that would never, normally that would never cross my mind. And no. uh, and no. it, it pops into hers right away. Well, the easiest thing is the bus. Yeah. On her phone. Boom, yeah. we get a bus and we're there. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's wild. If I if I miss the bus, I remember taking the bus with my nona um, when I was really young. Used to love pulling the pulling the string and ding, you know, getting off. But dude, if you miss the bus, you're waiting forty (laughs) five minutes for the next one. Yeah, forty five minutes. Yeah, oh, that's it's unreal. Yeah, that's one of the things. Like thinking of also Luna is one of the things I'm most excited for her. She's going to be a public transport rider. I didn't grow up on public transport. Yeah, yeah. so. Going to college, I had to take the bus because in LA it was crazy driving yeah. and stuff, and where I went to uni was just nuts. But for Lou, like she rides the bus and subways, and it's totally normal. Even now, like these As last two be. weeks, yeah. she's, been, she's been asking for the bus. Yeah, like, I want to, she loves riding the bus. Yeah. Which to me, I'm like, dude, the bus is whatever. You just get to where you're going. But for a kid, it's super fun, right? Yeah. This giant thing that you get to stand in. Yeah. Moves oh, my daughters love it. Anyway, because the drivers here are very unique. Yeah. They they think yeah. they're in NASCAR or Formula One and. They make the ride extra fun because my daughters, you know, I have to hold on to both of them and try and secure myself. And <laughs> yeah. It's not easy, but they like all the whipping around. And In Seoul, in Seoul, they have the Tayo buses, don't they? 
Oh, the the buses that are that look like the kids' character. Yeah, they look yeah. like the kids' character. Uh-huh. And I think it might actually just be for kids. Wow. I don't know. Us, cunt- cool. us country folk down here in Lusaka, <laughs> yeah. we don't. I have no idea. <laughs> do you do you ever think about? I know one thing that I thought about after being here for a while was, wow, Canada's really. Re- I mean, I knew it was young in terms of Europe, yes. young, and, but man, coming here and and seeing their history books or their textbooks talking about. Three, four, five, six thousand years ago. Yeah, and I think, wow, we're just a drop in the bucket compared to these places that have been around for this long. No, definitely. I mean, that that kind of goes back to the press stuff, right? Where it's like there's a very Western centric idea that a lot of us hold, and not not. I don't think it's a it's a especially like a negative outlook on the world. It's just where you grow up is where you grow up, and right. that's the center of the world. Center of the world. Yeah. But and our education is you know Western centric, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> for good for better or worse. But yeah, I mean. There's plenty of times when we go to a temple somewhere and it's like, dude, this thing has been here forever. Yeah. <laughs> Literally forever, right? right. Longer than yeah. anything has been around in America. The big thing in America, I think, is more of a push not to, to be more open to teaching like indigenous history. Because yeah. there's a lot of stuff like St. Louis has old um, historical grounds that mm. are thousands of years old also that I was never taught about. Like, yeah. you don't learn about that. Even I think there's like a central or southern American um uh, indigenous uh, focus placed on like the Mayans and the Aztecs and the Incas, which is great. But North America had some really old settlements too. We went to a place oh, sure. called Wapaki Ruins that was beautiful in Arizona. Yeah. But yeah, definitely coming here, it was like, dude, that is crazy. That like you talk about King Sejong, yeah. that dude, thousands of years ago, right? right? Like that's nuts to go to Gyeongju and be like, this place is old, man, well, older they, than dude. They got the it's the, the big tombs. Like yeah. you just you're driving. Like, What's that big? And we don't we don't learn a lot of that. I mean, we no. do European history and some some American history and Canadian history, but dude, my we don't learn we have a lot one. About I had one history class. It was like the, these guys signed the paper at this time: World War One, World War Two. <laughs> right. Boom, yeah. finish. Yeah. I'm gonna but, give you the highlights. Okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't waste your time. Watch this YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that. Always when I go to Gyeongju and some of those traditional places and go, wow, yeah. This is this is real history, not you know fifty, yeah. hundred, two hundred years, which is even our happened. even Ulsan Museum and your when you when you walk yeah. through that you, yeah. you see like I mean the little arrowheads or you can walk through the different periods the yeah. the the Same bronze the period yeah. Yeah. yeah wild definitely definitely yeah. wild that's something that I've appreciated about living in Asia now is when we go to places even like when we're in Malaysia and Indonesia yeah. going to some of the temples there where it's like man people have been living in in very sort of um organized organized ways um for a lot longer than you know the west <laughs> like yeah. canada and america and even europe yeah um, you're uh speaking of malaysia that's where yeah. you're that's where you're headed next right after yeah, yeah. we just uh, accepted a job and um signed the contract a couple like a week ago mm. so yeah we'll be in johor Bahru, which is like way south right next to singapore jehovah right? jehovah who Johor Baru, Jehovah Witness, Johor Baru. The um, when uh, for again for for new listeners, we uh, last week, last week, uh, last Monday actually, we had uh, a friend who lost everything in uh, in a, in a house fire, which is super unfortunate. Um, communities come together, we're going to help them out, but. You just, I'm thinking your your situation and, and his situation are kind of similar. I mean, yeah. you're, you're starting, I don't think you're, you're sending, what, some clothes or what are you? We're going to mail four boxes. Four boxes, yeah. I mean, I'd say 
less less than 50 kilograms of stuff. So, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, it's amazing. Whole life, whole life 50 yeah. Kilos, yeah. So, moving, I mean, moving from Seattle to here, from here to here to We brought Joe way too much stuff here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was stupid. It was like, I need deodorant. Like, it was just, you know, not not very well planned out. But I had the deodorant, deodorant you need. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have to special order that stuff. You can find it sometimes now. <laughs> but what do you... Um, when you're when you're trying to make your house a home, or mm-hmm. what do you find is or is the most important thing? Or mm-hmm. I mean, when you go to Malaysia, what are those things that you say? I mean, when you move in, you got you got four boxes and yeah. maybe a sofa or something. What do yeah. you what, what do you do to to make your house a home? The biggest things for us have have been like pictures. So obviously, yeah. like printing out pictures of yeah. family. Um, which is great now because all that's digital, right? You yeah, know, you can man, do it. Pictures you get, anywhere, yeah, yeah. Sure. I'm going to send my album. Bring a USB drive. <laughs> right. Have them uploaded on the cloud. Yeah, sure. But for us, we, we're bringing a lot of loose books and some very special toys. So not a lot of toys, yeah. um, but some special ones. And I think the, the, the second thing for us is we've kind of, as we've traveled, we've collected small items from people. Yeah. And for us, those things make our house feel like a home. Yeah. Right? It's like the history of our relationship yeah. and our marriage and the places we've been, um, that those are the things that are special to us. But like, we're just everything else is disposable. Yeah. Give it away, sell it. I I want to say from my experience, as you keep moving, those things that are special become less special, and new things become special. Because I used to have all those things from my time in Africa, from uh, my, yeah. my previous times in Asia or Europe. Yeah. And now I have boxes of mom and dad's of these really cool yeah things that I really I, I I'm kind of attached to, and they they hold special memories for me. But yeah. I can't bring them all over the no, world every no, no, time no. I move somewhere and keep, you know, you, you replace old ones with new ones. And for sure. Now I wonder, you know, am I ever going to, should I just throw the, all those things I out? I don't think or? you should. I think it'll be really cool one day for Gina and Lena to realize you were a person before you were their dad. Right? Because you're a loser now. So. Our, kids, our kids don't realize that we're people. We're their parents. Right. And that's how my parents were for me. And looking back at old pictures of my folks from like my dad had like a ponytail and yeah like, like he was a guy and, no doubt and looking at some of the old keepsakes he's he's hung on to over the years which aren't many but to see those to realize like he lived a life before he yeah. was a father so i think sure personally i would say hang on to him but what, do you, what as, do you do with them no, <laughs> you leave him at mom and dad yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're doing it Mini as long storage. as they're okay right as long as that's that storage business that's uh, so big in Canada and America now because everyone's got to keep all their junk and put it in those storage well unfortunately too the the thing with that is not even special things that they're hanging on to it's like Junkyard Wars. Refrigerator or like yeah. some other thing. Junkyard. No, yeah. ju- not, is that what's called Junkyard Wars? Uh, no. Storage, storage Wars. Storage, storage Wars, yeah. yeah. Dude, I've some guy. a few episodes before that. I think it was a few months ago. A guy opened, uh, or a guy bought one for a couple hundred bucks and there was like a couple million in cash. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, but yeah, how many guys. Drug, but how many. Yeah. Drug money yeah. How many guys open when there's nothing in there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think it's funny when you say that because I experienced that three moves ago <laughs> and as i keep going i keep ah yeah. oh, this is really important to me and then yeah all of a sudden we I have just like don't some, need it anymore no for sure we have like some little pieces of art too that we've brought from seattle that are small right. or like even things we've collected so those things go up on the wall and we we, we like you know that little, get to enjoy them there's a little uh picture of a, a guy and a girl on a bicycle and that was uh, yeah. a gift a gift for my wife when she went traveling before we're you know in the middle of uh in the middle of the relationship, yeah. That's awesome. I, I always thought that I will open a bar or something when I retire. Mm, those and, things, yeah, man. And, and that I would have Great. all those things ah. because I used to, col- well, I still kind of do. I just haven't been a lot of new places recently, but mm. I used to collect shot glasses and cups. Yeah. 
But man, for my time in Africa, I have beer mugs made out of bamboo. That's awesome. I have shot glasses made out of coconuts. I have I have all kinds of really really cool handmade yeah, cups and glasses from all over Asia and That's and cool. Central America. And I thought one day when I retire, I'll open a bar mm-hmm. and you just say, "Can I get that cup there?" Yeah. And then I, I tell you a story about where this cup came from. And yeah, give me but give I just the, don't give me know the bottle with the snake in it. <laughs> I don't know if <laughs> He's I can afford the, 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 the storage rent at mom and dad's until uh, it's time to open the bar. So yeah, um, yeah. but. That was my, I have two big boxes of really, really cool cups from all over the world. And nice. I thought uh, maybe that would be something I could do later. Cool. Uh, Roy also, um, during, during Roy's stay here, he's been uh, a huge, a huge help with, uh, with We Hope, which is uh, an NGO that me and, uh, me and Nate and another friend run. Uh, Roy, back home, you said you worked in Seattle. You were working with, uh, underprivileged, yeah, yeah, under yeah mostly youth. homeless and adults uh, in my work there with the organizations that I worked for. Cool. Was there any, uh, did you do any other volunteer work? I mean, growing up through school and stuff like that? Yeah, you know, it's funny. So I was mm. I was homeschooled uh, for most of my life until no high way. school. Yeah, yeah, my, my mom kept us home till high school. And then we all got a choice to go to high school or stay homeschooled. And all of us were like, see you, mom. I want to go see other people. I want to go see some other people. I love you. But um, so growing up, and, and my mom's pretty religious, but growing up, there was definitely like a bent towards um, volunteerism and giving back to the community. And so I grew up in church most of my life and did a lot of volunteering through the church and stuff like that. So even after I you know, no longer was very religious in my life, the that aspect of that value that the church gave me, even though I didn't, I wasn't on board with all the other messages. Yeah. That really mattered to me yeah. still to like, you know, help others, do unto others as you would do, yeah. have done unto yourself. That's something from Catholic school too. That's one, one good takeaway, yeah. I guess. From, Th- those are important from, things yeah. to, Absolutely. to, that help build better communities, you know. And, uh, growing, I think we're in similar, it sounds like financial situations growing up, not, mm. you know, not no huge vacations and, yeah. um, you know, high school was, uh, wasn't, I and uni actually wasn't uh, wasn't the the easiest time, you know. Yeah. And lots of people help out, and now mm-hmm. being in a position to to give back is definitely it feels it feels that you know you know how it feels when someone not gives you a handout, but someone helps you out. It, yeah. it feels really nice to be able to to give back. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Um, what? Uh, how did you get involved with us? What was the first? Were you at the I orphanage? Think, yeah, I was at the orphanage yeah. coming off and on. And I think I just saw it on Facebook. I think he I saw it. He was my D partner on the soccer team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he made me take my shoes off. <laughs> my shoeless. But yeah, we, uh, I came there and then I think through hockey, we kind of had more conversations and then you just, we decided to do the multicultural family stuff. And yeah. I, I couldn't believe you played hockey and I thought being from yeah. California, it wouldn't have been popular then. No, it was all roller. And, it was all uh, roller. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, a kid. and I thought, wow, and then he said he played roller hockey, and I was surprised. Yeah. Why don't you try putting the skates on? Which cool. has been great, too. Like, that's been one of the most, um, you know, amazing parts of living in Korea is being able, and you know how it is, right? The, the community there with the Hijok guys, the Pirates team, and they're just wonderful. It's well, I know the quality, of, the quality of the skates has probably gone down a little bit the last six months or whatever yeah. since Chrissy left. Yeah. And uh, I know you're not going because it's going to be a super heavy workout, especially when I don't stay on Sundays, <laughs> but, but it's fun to be there. But it's. I mean, before I was married and with a car and whatever, yeah. but the rides to the rink, I mean, whether it be with Songtech yeah, yeah. or, or Mark and, and AJ and Petey, the old guys used to go with, yeah. but it was just, 
that camaraderie and that's that's what I missed playing hockey for so long that kind of brotherhood and yeah. and being in the room and you know it it feels like all the barriers are gone mm-hmm. when we first started there nobody would talk yeah. and we would come in and start joking about the weekend or what kind of shenanigans we were up to <laughs> and then we we'd make a joke about one of the guys underwear and and they'd be like why are you guys laughing at my underwear? You're younger than me. You can't say that. <laughs> yeah. But then other guys would laugh and slowly it all yeah. started loosening up. And I think they have a whole new appreciation of, yeah. of culture, life, respect, because yeah. we still respect them and they respect us, but we're not in that Confucius, I'm older than you. And yeah. I remember my first yeah. practice or second practice yelling and screaming because they weren't listening. And I mean, in Korean yeah. or Konglish, but Someone came up to me and said, you, you can't yell like that yeah. at these guys. They're all older than you. Yeah. And I said, but the rink is 200 by, by 100. You can't yeah. hear me. I'm not yeah. yelling because I'm, I'm, you know, disrespecting. I'm yelling yeah. so you can hear me. Yeah. And that's what coaching is. For sure. Coaching is, hello, sir. You're yeah. five years older than me. Can you please <laughs> do it this way? Yeah. If I were you, I would <laughs> try this. No, yeah. So it's changed so much. And I think some tech who's 60. <laughs> yeah. Close to. Yeah. I mean, and he's one of our best friends here. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, I think it's the dressing room, being on the ice, that feeling of home and that freshness. And Absolutely. Yeah. He's even mentioned it. like, you know, he's from Seoul and going back there and he's even said one of the things he's going to miss is the community with those, the Pirates team. It's just right. different. He was saying it's just different. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't even play hockey and I've, I mean, I've joined them in, uh, in their, in their Hueshik and their, in their, yeah. in, on their weekend, uh, weekend drinking, uh, yeah. drinking and having a meal. Great and teams. again, yeah. Great people, man. Great people. And how, I mean, I never, ever would have guessed growing up in small town Canada thinking, I'm going to play ice hockey in South Korea. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, there wasn't even a rink here until 2008. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's been awesome to just to be able to play. And I think that's one of the reasons I can stay in Ulsan is that I have that, that release of being able to go play hockey and just hang around with the guys. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So before you were going to Asia or to Malaysia, you uh, you had to get certified, right? Yeah, yeah, I had to get my teaching license. I came. I'm here curious. What well, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but what was that like? And I mean, very different than obviously doing your teacher certification at home. It you can was, you can get full accreditation. Yeah, from, there, there's two programs that do it through the U.S. Yeah. That, so Florida has Teacher Ready, yeah. and then D.C. has Teach Now. Okay. And those are like yeah, fully satellite online programs so how is there no evaluation of your of your no, actual teaching is. so it's a 10-month program yeah. what they sell it as it's closer to 12 in my yeah. opinion but basically the the practicum you have like the teaching in class you're given you could either uh get a mentor teacher through the program okay and you submit videos to them and then have a debrief with them once a week or you can do it through your your school if there's a, a licensed teacher and luckily because i work at a public school with licensed teachers in the country one of my co-teachers was willing to do it for me, which I oh I any uh, like a Korean licensed teacher any can... yeah licensed teacher in their home country can do it. Obviously, there's still stuff over uh, like over overlooking uh, uh, looking over what kind of um, teaching you're doing in the practice because you're submitting videos online yeah, yeah to them of your practice and the debriefing and stuff like that. Cool. Well, what was your co-teachers? Reaction or response. I mean, that's a very foreign idea. For mm-hmm. hey, I'm trying to get a teacher's license from America. Yeah. can you just can watch, you watch me and me tell, and tell, tell me that I'm good. You know how to teach it? So I'm lucky that one of my co-teachers, we've been really close. Um, and she's a great teacher. I actually really respect uh, her a lot. So it's been really nice. It was really nice to work with her. And I, when I told her I was doing this, she was like, absolutely. I'd love to do it. It sounds really interesting. Also, teach 
Tishnag gives them some money. They give them like a five hundred dollar check for this ten yeah. weeks that they're doing. So no they way. pay them for their time. Nice. So this is, is a lot different than the first co teacher you had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Things have gotten now better. they're your best buddies. Yeah, oh, things grandma. have gotten better. Also, like I asked one particular co teacher whose English was very good and, right. and her and also her teaching practice was impressive. Like there were times that I saw her teach I thought, You're a great teacher. You're a really great teacher. But there must also be others who are just trying to get it get through and a hundred percent and anybody or your english isn't good but yeah. can you just sign all but this i need you to here? do this i think the thing too for me like i went into the program realizing like with a very very uh healthy expectation to say look i'm getting my license i don't know if this is going to make me a better teacher necessarily yeah. right. but i'm getting the license and yeah. this way i can get my license luckily i did get some things through the program and i sure. do feel like i've improved my practice a that's yeah uh, that, that's something that i think that a lot of people are I mean, other than getting the getting the piece of paper, but what if you're here for five or ten years? What can you know? What can they teach me? Yeah, I got ten yeah, years in the you know. Yeah, but, you, but there, there was some the process. Right? Yeah, just the process, like going through university at home. I, I don't know how much of that information that I, I was I re- received no, used day to day, but the process of going through four years of university and yeah. exams yeah. and studying habits and, and balancing a job and life. Mm. And Absolutely, I, I think that's that's the important part. And same. Mm. I did my master's last year or a year yeah. and a half ago, mm. and it's the same thing. It's dedicated to writing the papers, to, mm-hmm. to doing the research, to mm. so there was, you walk away with skills, maybe not information. Right, that's the big. there was some takeaways from the from yeah, the, definitely uh, yeah, some classroom management stuff yeah. and working with the LLs, definitely like English language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some pretty impressive ways that my program I feel like gave me some awesome. skills definitely. And I think you make uh, being online, you can make connections with. With lots of your classmates, right? It was great. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in my in my virtual cohort, there was twelve of us, and I mean, they're all over the world. They're yeah, yeah. in Japan and in Luxembourg and awesome. Man. All, like, yeah, so it's cool. That that even is really nice that I've stayed in touch with some of them, yeah. especially through the job hunt now. Yeah. When I was job hunting these last four months, like I reached out to all those mm. classmates, one in Germany, sure. one in Lithuania. What, uh, or... what were what ages were were they? Were they? There was a range. There yeah. were kids as young as like twenty three or twenty four, um, and then there were people as old as like you know into their forties and fifties. Like people, cool. Obviously, sort of this was their second career. Yeah. And, they were looking to get licensed. And that's what the programs build themselves as. Look, we understand people are going to enter the teaching field at all different times in their life. Yeah. And maybe it's not, you don't quit your job when you're 40 to go back to school. You mm. want to do this program yeah. on top of your job. Right. And I think someone who's, I mean, think about a, someone who finishes university right to teacher's college, boom, right into, right into mm-hmm. teaching. Well, what do you have to teach kids? Yeah. Well, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of lessons? I think that's why so many of them quit. Yeah. They, <laughs> they find it very difficult to adapt and adjust to some of those, the stresses other, and settings. And, other than just pumping them full of information, you don't really have 100%. any, especially if you've done it all in your hometown or, or whatnot. I mean, there's some, definitely there's some good influences, yeah. but overall, I mean, a life, you know, uh, we can think of some guys here that have, that have lived a full life before, mm-hmm. before 35, you know, and, or before 40 years old, and they can, um, they got lots of, just you know, good experience knowledge. To, or knowledge to yeah. uh, to impart on the definitely, yeah, definitely you know, wisdom, wisdom. That's what yeah. I'm looking for. Thinking. So was, <laughs> no, I was saying it was a good program. I'm glad I cool. did it, um, and it definitely has opened up a lot of opportunities for us. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, to now get a job outside of Korea or at international school level, which has been really nice for us. Thinking yeah. back to Seattle or or LA, would you ever have thought that you'd be doing a degree online? No, no, not at all. Because I remember, I remember thinking. That's never going to happen. And then when it started to happen, I thought, but those aren't very good. And yeah, they're just, yeah. they're just Mickey Mouse. Yeah. But then yeah. having done a, a two year master's online, I 
feel like I took a lot out. Of, I took a lot Absolutely. away from it, yeah. and I thought there's a lot of benefits to being abroad and and you know studying with people from different areas, different places. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought now I, I would be an advocate, and I think I think it's very good. And it's it's convenient. It well, fits your life, your schedule, and you can kind of do it on your own terms instead of being forced yeah. into, you know, people. Your job people, or, I think, are skeptical with any new yeah. any, any new online or it, it was for a few years there. I yeah. absolutely. Am I getting scammed? Is this yeah, like real? Yeah. Online this shopping, legit? same yeah. thing, right? Yeah. 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 I'm gonna put my credit card yeah. on there, and now everybody's. Credit are they going to bring me the there. thing I paid for? Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> the, the big thing for me that's been nice is I. So I did the program. I started it in twenty. 15, 2016, and and was hoping to be done before Lou was born, but Lou came early and I was still working on it. <laughs> yeah. But as I finished now, I've had like three different friends here do the program after I've been finished because right. they've asked me like, oh, is it good? And yeah. they have the same idea of like, not even like I'm ready to leave Korea, but how can I become a better teacher? Yeah. How can I open up more avenues if I want them, you know, at some point? That's, so, that's when I personally, I found like, I, I never thought of myself as a teacher, but mm. when I think about like, what can I do to make my class better? I'm like, maybe I am a teacher. Yeah. You know? <laughs> what, no, what can I, what can I learn? Dude, what, how do I get this skill or what can uh-huh. I do to, to make it better? Having a reflective yeah. practice, right? Like that's yeah, the number sure. one aspect of being a good teacher. Here, yeah. Right. Absolutely. And I remember seeing like some wonky epic orientation video way a long time ago. <laughs> Don't one touch the, the children. Thing, yeah, <laughs> one of the best things that was in the video was they were interviewing a teacher here and he said, there's a lot of ways to be a, a, a good teacher. But I, there's only one, in my opinion, one way to be a bad teacher. And that is to think it's always the kid's fault. Oh, yeah. For a class going poorly. Absolutely. That's like yeah. anti-reflective, right? You're mm. not saying, what did I do? Or how can I do it better? Damn or kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, which I remember thinking a lot about um, throughout my time in Korea teaching yeah. and being in the classroom. Yeah. You had, you had mentioned to me last week or the week before i didn't know about the abc level of international schools and yeah that this program yeah. would allow you access to these ones but not these ones and, and yeah. these ones were so i just wonder if you could speak to that and going to malaysia how long yeah. do you foresee being there and mm. what's what's next after that yeah i think they talk a lot about like tier one schools and tier two schools and tier three schools in the international school world and I definitely think because of my experience or my lack of experience at the international <laughs> school level, they, they don't necessarily think of what we do as teaching. And I think in some regards they're correct. Right? Yeah, like sure. the, it's a different type of teaching. Right. But um, I definitely was, there was tier three schools who were like knocking on my door <laughs> and there were tier two schools. <laughs> what, what, what's were, a, what would be like a... I'd say a tier three school would be like something that we would think of like a really fancy hagwon. Where it's not really quite a school, ah, but it's okay, kind of okay. more like a bunch of kids who don't speak English very well, who are going to international school, but it's mostly an English school, but they also deliver content. They're going to study okay. science and, and English. And in I think that. there's a lot of those in Korea. There right? are, yeah. Okay, so like there's a few like, established, well-known international schools, and then there's... There's officially there's a whole list of other ones uh-huh. okay. that you've never heard of. So an English curriculum alternative to the, yeah. to the okay yeah it's like an immersion school but not really an international okay, school. Okay. So, gotcha. And then there's tier two schools as far as I know that like are you know like decent little international schools not very big yeah. maybe only been around for a couple of years and those are the schools that I was really focusing my job hunt on. Yeah. Um, Does it matter they, by country? Yeah, definitely. There's more location. tier one schools in Europe or, or less in Asia? or 100%. Yeah. yeah. There, there are like really well-established schools in Europe that have been there a long time, 20, right. 30 years. Even some in North Africa. There are a couple of schools that have been there 10, 15 years. But do they also have the tier two, tier three schools? In definitely. Those? Yeah. 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 There are schools popping up now. It's a growing, it's a growing industry right. like with globalization and 
kids wanting to learn English and a lot of wealthy families now say like, I want my kid to go to um, uni in Europe or in right. America. So to do that, you have to be, an, you know, at least a fluent level of English ability. Right, right. You know, you got to pass some tests. or. or and um, even if they're, if they're paying, paying the money for the elementary or high school, I was just watching um, the documentary last night, who to invade next. Have you seen it? No, no, no I've seen oh, it. Oh, it's, it's okay. good, man. And it, um, uh, he, Michael Moore goes to all the different countries, but one of, uh, what is it? Slovenia. Mm-hmm. He was a Slovenian, just says, he's interviewing everyone, like, do you have student debt? Do mm-hmm. you have any debt? Everyone's like, huh? He's like, but I found one person who had debt. And you can hear the American accent, you know? It is, uh. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I, that I, was, I had mean, 10 was grand of debt. The biggest in. thing for us, too, coming to Korea, like, I paid off the last little bit of my student loans much yeah. quicker than I thought I would. We paid off our car, and then we eventually mm. sold our car back home, but, like, We've, you know, saved a lot of money. And that was like one of the small reasons yeah. we stayed here longer awesome. and longer was to have a family and also be able to save money. Which on I think lots of people, there's more financial freedom. I mean, a hundred percent. And you just live a sim, I think you live a sim, for me, I live a much simpler life here than at home, collecting, 100%. having a big house, collecting yeah. all the stuff yeah. and just having lots of stuff yeah. where here the house is small. We get out as much as we can because. It is small. It's yeah. not minus forty, so yeah. you can enjoy the outdoors. I just th- I just moved into this, and it's funny. My older my older place was bigger, and you uh-huh. tell everyone like, "Oh, I'm moving." Like, we're getting a bigger place. I'm like, no, I'm getting a smaller place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it yeah. seems it seems great. It has a better layout, but um, yeah. Just again, back to the that buddy, uh, our friend losing everything in the fire. You moving yeah. to to the new country. You're looking through drawers and like. Having a conversation oh, with the wife, like, stuff. what's his hardware for? I don't know. Yeah. Better keep it. Just in, like it's been here for three years. Yeah. Toss it. What yeah. are you doing? <laughs> there are things we we did a big clear out when we moved from our little studio when em, when em and I got pregnant yeah. to our bigger place, which isn't a it's not big. Yeah. It's, like a, it's like a small two bedroom apartment by American standards yeah. where we live now. But we went through stuff and like I had I had read that Marie Kondo book, the magical right. act of tidying up, or whatever, a long time ago, and. There were some powerful points to it. It's a little touchy-feely for me, mm-hmm. like talking to your things and thanking it for its services too much. <laughs> but there was this idea of like, does this one, like simplify your life? Because she, you know, she's Japanese and I think there's like a minimalism that runs yes, through there. Absolutely. It's really beautiful. But also the, the idea of like, does this, is this something that brings you joy? Is it something you care about? Mm. Keep it. If it's not, get rid of it. Right. And there were tons of things that I was like, why am I saving this thing that I don't need, yeah. that I feel obligated to hang on to for some mysterious reason? Yeah. Right. I can easily just let it go. Yeah. Say goodbye to it. And I've, been, I've gotten a lot better at just, <laughs> do what, oh, I haven't worn this shirt, but, 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 but what if a I perfectly go to, good shirt? What yeah. if I go to, dude, I had a pair of shorts. I swear <laughs> to God, I kept them for three years in case I go to Nate's farm. <laughs> You know, we, what if I go to Nate's farm? <laughs> oh, it's, it's insane. Are we joking? <laughs> we used to say like when, when dad would go away on a trip and mom could throw out half his stuff and he'd never notice. Yeah. And <laughs> you, you could clear out half the garage and he would never notice. Until he goes in the attic one day looking the same. And the same. If mom left, we could throw. And so now I think the same. If I go and I think, is my wife throwing my stuff out? Who cares? Or is something missing? But yeah, you don't. If I have to think about it, it doesn't matter. But when you're there and you say, "Can you? do you want to throw that out? No, yeah. no, never, never. No, no, no. It's really special. But if I go on a vacation and my wife throws everything out, yeah. wouldn't even notice. That's there, a- there, and that like ran through us a lot. Like I remember when when Em was pregnant, I chose a couple books to read. And one of them that was really powerful was Simplicity Parenting. It was this book. And the whole idea is like our lives are really busy and full in ways that don't make us happier. <laughs> sure. And, it's, and you, all you have to do is take a step back. Just one step back. Yeah. And you don't have to, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Because so, so often we like get into a default mode where it's like, 
I, it has to be that way. Mm-hmm. You gotta have more stuff. You gotta no. be busy. Then you gotta pay to keep it up. You gotta <laughs> pay for the maintenance. The yeah. more you have, the more you gotta take care of. Yeah. Right? In that way, it's silly. So, and and I think getting back to like the tiers of schools, I've been really happy to say one thing. I think a lot about those tier one schools, man. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of money getting that on. <laughs> but you're gonna be really sure. working. We have friends who work at uh, Chadwick International. Mm. Dude, they're busy, man. Like they work hard. Right. And. Not, not that I don't want to get there someday. Maybe I will. But right now I have a two-year-old and I really value my work-life balance. Mm, and that's sure. something that Korea has afforded me. Mm, so yeah. going to Malaysia, that was something we thought a lot about was like, we want to be in a place that one affords us a lot of freedom to go places mm. and, and give us a good quality of life, but also gives us the time to enjoy it. Cause I want to enjoy my kid being two right now. Mm. Right. That's a special time. For our, me. our friend just CC'd us on, uh, on, a, on an email from a previous coworker, but, we just got like a, a small glimpse of of uh, of his work life, and yeah. there was three or four things in the email that I've I never even would have thought would have been part of a teacher's <laughs> well, you know, an international school teacher's uh, duties. You know, oh, did you submit this for the for the parents meeting and yeah. and this? And yeah. There was three or four things I just went, oh, yeah. oh man, I thought your working hours. You know, on paper, it looked really good, but there was a couple extra things that went, wow, what, what I would what say you that my, yourself into? my friends up at, in Incheon, they probably work 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day at school, not to mention stuff they do at home and on the weekend. Ooh. So they're legit pushing 55-hour work weeks. Don't get me wrong. They're very well compensated. They make sure. quite a lot of money. They yeah. get great vacation. So there's, there, you know, there are benefits. But it's... But I think, like you said, at this stage, we all have young kids... between two and five and i'm the same i love having the flexible schedule i love being able to spend the mornings and the afternoons with my girls yeah and my wife's at a point in her career where she can't because she's working a little bit further from home yeah but i think it's a special time and and i don't want to miss it and i I think you're right having that flexibility or a little bit more time is important at this stage a hundred percent so what do you look how what are you looking for in malaysia how long do you think you'll be there uh you you know it's a two-year contract to from the get-go, uh, and then one year That's renewals nice. after that. Yeah. Um, but we think a lot about it, like a lot about it. As long as we're happy there, and and the school's good, and I feel like I'm learning and growing there, I would I wouldn't mind staying there four or five years. Um, nice, cool. Mostly because, like, talking to my friends who are at those tier one schools, they talk a lot about like one of the things those schools look for are are dependable people with longevity. Like, no, if they see you hop around every two years, years. they're, yeah. they're kind of like, dude, you know, right. yeah. We well, get a relationship you, with the kids and the, and the staff. And, and it shows investment in the community yeah, and that you're sure. really part of something, growing something. So Absolutely. The, the school in, in Johor is only about eight years old and they just moved into their new building. Um, so I think they're really growing, which is good for me as a young teacher. I think I could move into a leadership role maybe in year right. two and like, do some really good things from my resume and my professional growth so i'm not in a hurry to get out of there as long as things are good do you ever sorry go for it do you ever see returning home or is that too far ahead to think about i don't know man we'll see how the 2020 election goes but i remember leaving and thinking things were pretty good and then being like oh man some some there's some stuff back home that i don't have to deal with too much yeah i don't know if that's a skip 2020 is not far away that'll be the end of your contract it will in malaysia i you know, I think for us, we think a lot about for Lou, maybe at nine or ten, what will Lou kind of be articulating in terms of like, is she going to miss her family a lot? And then that might become a discussion about like, maybe we should move stateside and be closer to cousins and aunts and uncles and things like that. But, mm. but for uh, me, moving back home, 
I mean, my family spread all across the country. Yeah. So even far. if I'm home, I yeah. still don't see them. And yeah. I have to go where I can get a job. No, if the no, job sure. is not by my brothers and sisters or my mom and dad, then but, yeah, I still don't still, get to see them. So it's, yeah. it's not a, just move home and I get to spend time with family. Because it's not always like There's that. a pocket of, of friends who live in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And when we were... Uh, when we visited last time, um, everyone had come together for a party, mm. and my wife said, "Like, oh, this is great! You know, we could we could live here one day." And it would, I said, "Listen, that's that was the middle of the summer. Everyone's on vacation. Mm-hmm. Real life isn't like that, man. No. You know, maybe once, twice a month, you guys you can hang out with the boys, but yeah. it's uh, it's much different. I think for us too, like the the we're all on the west coast, which yeah. is fine. But my family all lives in LA, and there's no way I'm moving back. It's expensive. And my family's in Winnipeg, and it's, it's minus hard. 45 in the winter. <laughs> and the mosquitoes yeah. are like tennis balls, so I don't have intention of moving back yeah. there either. I think I, I see us staying abroad at least until lose 8 or 10. Yeah. And then even then, you know, if if we were all really happy and things were going good, like the thing about the international school too is Lou's going to get free tuition at the schools I work at. So That's why you're going there. She's going to get a <laughs> killer education that I would never be able to yeah. provide to her. And I love that it, it, we're raising global kids. Oh, yeah. They're not just, like our kids are half Korean, but they're not mm-hmm. just Korean and, and yours is not going to be just Malaysian or American yeah. or, I mean, she's going to she's gonna have things she remembers from yeah. Korea. Yeah. yeah. They'll be small, but she'll have things that she definitely remembers from Korea. I love that all in one day, Luna will call one person a tita, which is auntie in Filipino, yeah. mm. Tagalog, and then she'll call a guy Theo, which is uncle in Spanish, yeah. and Emo in Korean, like, yeah. you know, all, it's awesome. Like, to yeah. me, that's a really cool, we were at a coffee shop yesterday saying goodbye to friends and stuff, and there was, yeah, a, a Tita and an Emo and a Samshan all sitting together with us. Yeah. It was really cool. Like, Korean's happening, English is happening, a little bit of Tagalog is being thrown around. Like and I think that's really the understanding fun. that the world needs to, to bring that peace to and to understand yeah. other people, where they're coming from and yeah. well, that's, yeah. the different, the different aspects. Um, yeah. one, one question about, uh, about working in international schools, mm-hmm. working in Korean universities, a lot of, uh, guys who get up there in age, uh, they worry they're going to get cut or mm-hmm. it's more difficult as within the private sector or, or unis or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you get older, you're, you're less, uh, you know, the, well, you're more the, expensive the, and they feel like, are you less uh, moldable, right? Can they really? Absolutely. What yeah. about for international school? The older you get, the better, the, uh, the more experience. I, I think there are also worries and concerns. Yeah. If you're really experienced, there's no worry. Like I mm. think a big school will hire a 50 year old in a heartbeat. Oh, okay, okay. If you come to the table with like, Dude, I got 20 years IB experience right. and I've worked in American curriculum and Canadian curriculum. Okay, okay. If you're, if you're good to go. I know that China does have age restrictions. I don't know if Malaysia does, but I know China, it's, you have to start your contract before 60. So as long as you get your first contract before the age of 60. Well, you 60, got a few years to go. I'm okay. I'm okay. Then, then I think from there on out, you're okay to continue renewing with them. Ah, if cool. you left and came back, I don't think you could, but ah, I know that in, I've seen that on some, um, some school notices, job notices for China only. Awesome. Um, awesome. so. Okay. We're getting short on time here. Just, uh, our last segment is stories from the sauna. And I, I remember discussing this with you a little while ago. <laughs> And maybe today we'll venture off the sauna a little bit and get your story from your medical exam because I think that was a really <laughs> good one and it came about when we were talking about this yeah, in the first place. Yeah. So the the idea, or going forward, the idea is going to be uh, we're going to ask the guests. Everyone here has had a, a funny experience. If you've been to a sauna, 
you've definitely had a funny experience but like nate said we uh, we brought this up roy hasn't doesn't have any really funny sound experience but he has a a, <laughs> a killer medical <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> medical experience so well, roy, take the it funny away. part was my dad wouldn't go to the sauna with me when i told oh, him yeah, yeah, yeah. Because i was like dad there's this cool thing and we'll go yeah. he was like that sounds great and i was like yeah and everyone's nude and he was like ah, i'm okay man. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do that together that's a little bit weird for me but i had to get a medical checkup for my job in malaysia so I went to this doctor's office and um, the, the main doctor there spoke English pretty well. So it was great. But then they like sent me over to get a, um, an, a cardiogram. Yeah. Right there. Like have to put all these like suction cups, suction cups right, yeah. on my chest. And they tell me to lift up my shirt and lay down. And so I lay down and lift up my shirt and I'm very hairy. Right. Like I have a lot <laughs> oh, of chest. Hair. So, yeah, so <laughs> but, but regardless, hairy or not, it's going to be funny. As soon as they say lift up your <laughs> yeah. shirt, you're not Korean. Something's going to be funny. Yeah, there's going to be either, some, either your nipples, nipples are, are too dark. big, too small, too whatever your yeah, belly button. Yeah. Something's always going to make them giggle and laugh. And so I could already tell immediately she was like, Oh my God, <laughs> what, what is wrong with this guy's body? So they, they, Try to put the suction cups on my chest, yeah. but they won't stick because of all the hair. <laughs> like, you know, the, the vast amount of hair on my chest. So she's trying to put them on and she can't get them to stick. And so she just kind of sets them on and then like tries to run the machine. And obviously it's not reading anything. I'm dead. So then she comes back and she's like, comes back with reinforcements. So now there's like two women yeah. and they tell me, um, don't move. Cause yeah. I'm trying to hold them. I'm like, I can hold them. Like, no, no, no. They won't read right if yeah. you're moving at all. So they tell me to put my hands down and then they just are standing over me with the suction cups on me, yeah. like just standing right over me. And I'm like, dude, this is weird, man. Like, <laughs> we can't make eye contact. I'm like on the bed now with like Half heart. just Korean, <laughs> just Korean women hovering over me. So then they, that doesn't work either, right? It's still not reading right. Because there's not like... How much hair do you have on there? <laughs> Quite a lot. I'm a pretty hairy dude. Half Italian, half Mexican. And... So my, they come back and they just smear me with this gel. So now it's getting really weird, right? There's like multiple women just rubbing lube all over my chest. Just finally slathering get, it yeah, up. Yeah, a crazy amount. So finally they get to... to that was your dream in high school, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah right? So they finally get them to stick and they Saw get the reading. Movie. And then I, when they're finished, I'm like, cool, we're done. So I go to move them and they're like, no, 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 wait, we need to clean it. So I'm like, oh, give me the wet tissue, right? the the wet wipe. I'll do it. And they're like, no, 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 no. So they insist on cleaning my chest with this wet wipe, and that, that was like the weirdest part to me. Like I was like, I can I can do that part. Like that's not a medical exam part. Did they give you a shampoo and rinse? Too? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it was so weird, dude. And I felt so bad for the ladies because I know they're uncomfortable too, right? Like it's like. This is not in my yeah. job description. Was a was a wet wipe just smearing it around? It was. It didn't even <laughs> do a very good job of wiping it up. Yeah, I, thought, yeah, I don't know. Here they like even when you got a runny nose, they they use a wet tissue, a wet to, tissue yeah, to, I mean, to wipe it up. I never understood that. I think the thing too with like <laughs> one Koreans aren't hairy, right? They're hairless. Hairless. But I remember back home, I would imagine they'd use that goop on our any anyhow. They'd use it right. to like suction it really well. So oh, I, I think that's like how they're supposed to do it. They should have. They should have waxed you like Steve Carroll. <laughs> well, that was the, thing. I the first time I thought you were going to say that we're going to take a razor and. Oh, I would have loved it. That would have uh, been great to see them <laughs> try to shave my like crazy amount of Chester with like you know two blade razor, right. no no shaving cream. <laughs> when he goes on a Malaysian podcast, what happened to your nipple? Huh? They sliced off. <laughs> they sliced off a quarter piece of pepperoni. It's and, gone. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> good ties, man. 
Anyways, that's all. Uh, that's all the time we have for today, Roy. Thanks so much for coming, man. Best yeah. of uh, best of luck going forward in Malaysia. You yeah. always have. You always have a home here. Yeah, Thanks a lot. And, and hopefully uh, we'll catch you at a hockey tournament down there. Yeah, come on, Singa, Singapore turning twenty twenty one. Yeah, let's do it. Yep. Sounds Thanks good. for having me. No problem. Okay. Thanks, guys.